0: Here we are. Here we are. Welcome at, back. At some,
1: point, at some point, we should record the show before the show. Oh, no. And, but not no, that one. Not no, the one today. No. Not today's conversation. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm going to no. say hard pass. Hard pass on that one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I
0: mean, you know, there's not that anything we say is, is super bad or anything, but it's, it's just- This
1: it's, is just a lot more filtered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's unfiltered, Ollie and Scott, and almost nobody wants that. I mean, we barely no. want it.
1: Right. Yeah. So the last thing we wanted. Although is we we do enjoy it, we do enjoy the yeah. unfiltered, yeah. you know, conversations. Well, but...
0: w- once we develop our Patreon, we can have an after dark show oh. that, that is just the us, the real, the real deal. We'll call it. Don't
1: don't tease the audience. There's Science no Patreon coming. The real does.
0: deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. I we would have I to record that. that like Friday nights, like nine thirty. Yeah. You Oof. know. Oh, no, it would be bad. It would be bad, bad. very bad. Yeah. All right, so here's I'm going to set this up. Well, what's uh, good?
0: What's good is what is good? What you're going to set up right now.
1: Wow. Well, there you go. Nice nice transition trend. Thanks. Um so we're going to talk about agency today and and we're talking I know we've talked about this in previous episodes, but um a uh, a a communication from a listener um, prompted this conversation um a list, a list
0: this is like real <laughs> I know, but that was a very oblique way to describe that a communication well from a right. listener. I,
1: I got a okay. text from from our our friend matt, who's an administrator in a uh, school district in in, in our area um, who heard our uh, talk a few weeks ago where we weren 't even actually talking about agency we were talking mm. about something else and you talked about agency cuz you know i think it's an important thing for both of us yeah. um but we kind of spill over there and and matt's text to me was this he said listening to a podcast i heard scott talk about agency and how it's a, a part of human the con- human condition i think something to remember is that schools have traditionally done everything they can in many cases to take agency away from students mm-hmm it doesn't serve schools well if your factory workers all have agency And mm-hmm. you know he's talking about this the factory industrial model of schools sure. um and that's how we run our schools uh when schools or uh, school teachers emphasize obedience they're taking away that option for for agency mm-hmm. we're still doing an awful lot to get ch- uh people to recognize the agency of children um and i think that's an important point you know i think yeah. he's somebody who is he's absolutely uh uh a leader who is uh, mindful of the challenges of promoting agency in a school and the, and you know, how there is this point where you want to uh, provide students with agency, but there's also that, you know, there are rules, right? There are rules that he has to maintain, right? Like just walk in the halls, just <laughs> hanging out, doing their things. Right. And he, um, you no know, he's been a building principal for i don't know 15 years or something so he he knows that firsthand um but he's also somebody who i mean listens to to us so he at least in part is curious about agency but i know you know from seeing him teach when he was a a classroom teacher i know the types of agency he promoted as a classroom teacher and and how his classroom was a much more democratic empowering space for students to construct their own you know me- meaning making right mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah well i mean certainly agency has become uh, a a big I don't know buzzword it's been an important concept recently that's gotten a lot of attention between agency and epistemic i think science ed and maybe education in general is sort of rife with references to those two ideas so um so i think there's a lot in in that to, that we can unpack i mean um
1: so what uh, do you think that why is that like becoming a thing like i mean i i know like i mean these conversations have happened for you know decades mm-hmm. you know this is like this goes back to you know dewey so it's not like something new like the i concept of you know learner agency is something that you know has been promoted for at least a hundred years so why is it something that is becoming you know is it just a uh, you know, from science education, the, the trajectory of, okay, we're doing inquiry. Now, what does that look like? Okay. Now we're trying to even open the classroom up a little bit more, you know, to discourse based and discourse based means, you know, if we're going to try to do this and be authentic and and be responsive to to learners, that means that we have to give them more agency. Is that a trajectory or do you think there's something else is going on?
0: Well, I mean, I think like to, to say that it goes back to Dewey is, is a little tricky, I mean, <clears throat> the problem and we talk about this a lot on the on this program in a different context, but there's a difference between the concept and the label, right, and so agency represents one way to think about a concept and and that concept has been around for a long time. Um, but the characterization of it or the label that gets put on or maybe it's even like, you know, the the metaphor of the elephant, right, where the blind men describing the elephant, where one of them has the trunk and one yeah. of them has the tail. And so, you know, agency is is describing part of a, a concept that has been around probably even before Dewey, which just has to do with the relationship between the learner and the teacher um, and and what, what that means and who has power and control and who gets to make decisions about what's important. Um, So I think that stuff has been around for a long time. My sense is the reason we're talking more about agency recently is, is we've moved away from terms, which frankly, I, I don't like either, which are terms like engagement, right? So a lot of the ways to describe what was happening with students were essentially, about are they paying attention in class? Um and and we call that engagement, like, but but that those ideas come out of, you know, what Matt was talking about, which is this obedience or classroom management sort of notion of how classrooms run, right? Which is like we need to have the students quiet so that they can pay attention and be engaged. Um and so I think a movement away from that towards something that recognizes that students are not just, um, you know, cogs that they're human beings and that they, they have some control over their lives. Um, and just, and they get to, they, they are making decisions. Um, a recognition of that I think is how we shifted at least in part towards this idea of agency.
1: Yeah. And I think that Matt's point about the industrial model of education. I mean, it, 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 it is absolutely something that, you know, is, you could just look in schools and you can mm-hmm. see that that's how, you know, schools have been designed and that's still largely how schools are in practice, mm-hmm. you know, in that, you know, I mean, as you think about it, like, in one class, you're doing the Pythagorean theorem. And then like 30 minutes later, you're talking about to kill a mockingbird. And then 30 minutes later, you're running a mile. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty hard, you know, you know, gauntlet to run for a, you know, a high school student Mm -hmm. to like cover all of that. And we would never expect that of an adult, or we would never, I, I think few people would pick that. If they had the chance, to, if they had the agency to do that on their own, right, mm-hmm. yeah. they they wouldn't go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to sit down and, you know, do some some math for a half an hour. And now I'm going to go discuss this book for half, half an hour. And then I'm going to go outside and, you know, run a mile in 10 minutes yeah. or less. Yeah, And then do some sit-ups and try to be, you know, get that yeah. presidential, presidential. <laughs> award yeah. for fitness. It's like, wow. I mean, that's head spinning, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, for sure.
0: I mean, I guess one of the questions I would have is does does this and we've talked about the death march with fun sauce. I mean, that's yeah. really a different way of characterizing the industrial notion of schooling, but you know, are the students workers or are the student because that's how Matt characterized it, and I'm not sure they're even workers. I think yeah. they're more cogs. I think they are more the product of the factory rather than the factory workers. Um, you could argue that the teachers end up being the the workers, right? um because it's not you know teachers we can talk about agency for teachers too i mean it, it it's a it's a stack right it's not just that um schools are an environment where students are ability to to um invoke their own agency is relatively limited it's also true for teachers right you know absolutely Um, Uh, Seymour Saracen famously said that schools were designed for the intellectual learning of students to the degree that they are, not for the intellectual growth of the teachers, right? So teachers are not, it's not really a learning environment for teachers, which is shameful too. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I think as I'm, I don't know, I don't know if it's uh, it's a product of getting older or it's just a product of, you know, the the sort of like discourse communities that I'm in right now. Um, but the the attention to power, I think is something that is becoming more and more uh, relevant to me, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it's the, all of the post pandemic stuff too. Cause I think that's maybe in that milieu too, right. Is that, um, you know, there are, there've been a lot of different ways that people have reacted to the pandemic post pandemic world. And one of which is that I I feel like there's been this authoritarian sort of response in that, okay, yeah, playtime is over. Now we've got to get back to business because, and that whether it's been, you know, people were working from home or learning from home or quote unquote, the learning loss, right? All of that Mm -hmm. stuff is prompting some leaders and some teachers and some parents and, and you keep going with that deans or presidents sure. of universities yeah, yeah to yeah. say okay let's clamp this stuff down because we've got to get back to the business of of learning and that means control
0: yeah
1: and and so they make these i learned this this word and i'm going to mispronounce it because you know that's i learned that's this word because y- that's the and it it is i learned this word yesterday okay, okay. i'm going to spell it let's okay. spell it because it's D-I-K-T-A-T. Have you heard this word before? Dictat? No. I hadn't either. So it was in it was in yesterday's uh, uh paper, and I was like, hmm, what does that word mean? I had to look it up. Um an order or decree imposed by someone in power without consent. Hmm. And it was the it's the not word it's uh it's got an umlaut over the A. Oh. Okay, so, dictat, dictat, yeah. Okay. So it's got an uh, the um, uh, umlaut. So it's
0: got a little German.
1: Yeah, little, I think a little, so. A Little German in there. It's yeah. Well, it says I just pulled it up <laughs> on dictionary. It says uh, Latin to German. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, so it means like it's from the Latin dictatum, which means yeah. something dictated. It. Sure. Right. So, yeah. but what, what this was used in reference to was the the pension reform in in France. Right. Uh, and yeah, yeah. there's, and how the president there just was like, okay, I'm just going to make this decree, right? Yep. That this is going to happen. Yep. But I think that you know this is you know this word I think just captures a good bit of what's what's happening in a lot of places. And I don't mean to like go down this you know political societal you know um, rabbit yeah. hole, but I but I think that that is something that's not just happening in you know France and it's not just happening in colleges, but happening in schools and happening in classrooms too, because like, okay, learning loss, got to get back to worksheets, got to get back to study uh, Island. We got to get back to, you know, it's like get
0: back to losing more learning.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. Make up for that learning loss
0: with more business. learning
1: loss. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Less there's agency. probably,
0: yeah, I think there's probably some truth to the notion that, when the world starts feeling a little out of control, there's a natural tendency to try and clamp down and control it. And certainly, nothing feels more out of control than a pandemic, um, because you you literally can't control it. You're doing your best to to just keep the the um, sort of society upright, and you're not not so worried about control in the moment. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, now we really got to get as you say, back to this, we got to get right. back, things back under control because they were out of control for so long. And it makes sense that that would lean you towards uh, authoritarian points of view, whether that's, you know, whatever version of that you you dislike or, or like for that matter, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think schools have always been um, places of of control and surveillance and conformity. I mean, <clears throat> and partially they're designed that way, right? I mean, part of the purpose of schooling is to enculturate kids into being citizens of the United States. Um, that's an explicit goal, and that goes back to Dewey, too. So, you know, uh, but what that means is where things get a lot more mm, complicated, let's just say, right? So, so I think this movement towards agency and thinking about kids in schools and and their level of agency or or what however you want to describe that um that I think is relatively new because you know in part again, there has been a shift away from the idea that that the purpose of schools is the transmission of information from from teacher to student and once once you don't see it as this sort of binary transfer of information from one location to another when you start to consider the fact that these are relational activities when a teacher works with a student then now you have to start treating the student like they like they are a person and one of the sure. things that people have is agency so um and and that manifests in lots of ways but um but I think that's how you get to this place of you know when you start complexifying the relationship in schools to not being like a hard hard drive with an input, um, then it changes the way you have to think about the kids.
1: So I, I think where we started talking about this, you know, a handful of episodes ago, maybe even more. They all kind of you know yeah. blur together at this mm. point. You know, the hundred and thirty somewhat episodes we're up to at this point um, was I think you referenced an article, you know, um, that was might, in, yeah. And I, 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 it was in science ed. I think this is, I think I went to Public look for epistemic it. Epistemic agency. There's a... Yeah, for a constructing, constructuring, constructuring, constructuring. It actually what? says constructuring. Yes. Constructuring expansive knowledge building. This is Zhang and at all. Is this the one you're talking about? No. The word is I'm, actually constructoring. I was well, like, am I messing am up I, that term? No, no, I am not.
0: No, they're messing up that term. Um, I mean, that that would not have been an article I referred to because I don't know that one. But uh, okay, the one I, thought, I tend to refer to when, when talking about at least epistemic agency is Dave Stroop's article, which I think is also, it's in science education. I'm almost sure. Yeah, it probably um, doesn't
1: use the word constructoring.
0: He doesn't, which uh, you know, good on him because that's a really oh, terrible word.
1: I'm sorry, I am messing it up. It's co-structuring.
0: <laughs> you added an "n" in there. It, it, yeah, I mean, co-structuring is a lot better than it's a lot better. It is.
1: It is. <laughs> Here I'm. I'm calling out the you're, authors. You're, and here's you're, my, you're slagging and, on Zhang
0: for using yeah, this silly word in terms of a silly this, word.
1: Some some of our listeners <laughs> have to think that I. You're the straight man. And I am. You know, I, yeah, we're the Smothers Brothers, and you're that. i talking about a relevant oh boy. reference there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. To set the wayback machine for when my parents were a child. <laughs> The Smothers yes. Brothers,
1: <laughs> like Abbott and Costello, <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
1: Exactly. Our grandparents were. Alive. <laughs> oh gosh, Ollie's an idiot. Why do you? Th- why do you <laughs> record with that dude? That's what they're saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. W- well, in this article, the co-structuring, not constructuring uh, epistemic agency, <laughs> here's how they define epistemic agency, because I think that's important, uh, can be defined as students being positioned with, perceiving, and acting on opportunities to shape the knowledge building work in their classroom community. So, I mean, inherent yeah. is that, is the idea of power, right? That they have the power to, you know, really shape the the learning that happens in their classroom.
0: Yeah. I mean- so, so Dave's, oh, this is a different one. This is not the one I'm thinking of. He does have an article that, that, um, that uh, uses a co in it though, fostering students epistemic agency through the co configuration of oh, Moth research, but that's not the one I'm thinking of.
1: No, that would, I'm glad you read that because I might've had some yeah, that issues with that it. That would have been but rough. I would have mangled that even further. But I mean, I think,
0: you know, And I think epistemic agency is a much more tightly focused and, um, you know, I don't know, academic construct. I mean, I think agency as a broader notion is what we're really talking about, which is I think ultimately how how much control – uh, or power to t- to talk to your to your idea about you know that there's a lot more conversations about power now. How much power do students have um, to define their own work in schools? Right. I mean, I think one of the ways to think about agency is <clears throat> your ability to define what and why you are doing what you are doing. Right. And so, um, so most of the agency that we afford students in schools is the agency to opt out, right. To, to be resistant. Um, and that, that is a form of agency. Um, but it's not the most healthy one to cultivate. Right. So really they can either, they can either conform or resist. That's the main, that the main forms of agency that we provide them in schools.
1: And when Um, they resist.
0: Yeah. There are consequences.
1: Yeah. There are consequences. Either we label them with some sort of like, you know, some label, we'll just say some deficit, some right?
0: deficit, some deficit, right? Some
1: deficit, right? Because mm-hmm. if they can't comply, then that's gotta be something that's a deficit on part of that individual, yeah. right? Not the expectations of the teacher or not the expectations of the school. It's right. that we're going to put this label on this student because they're uh, unwilling or unable to comply. Yeah. And so, you know, that to me is troubling right there. You know, either they're a trouble, you know, a a, a troubled student, right? We're gonna pull that student out and try to discipline them into complying, right? We're gonna put them into in-school suspension or out-of-school suspension or whatever because they were "quote unquote" disruptive in the classroom. You know, maybe they were talking or maybe they got us. Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, that kind of agency. When a student takes an agency in the class, takes agency, or or they have agency. It's when they you know actually you know act on their agency right that's when there's trouble,
0: yeah, and i think I think one of the but it i mean i, w- I want to be careful about like this this was my point and and I'll give a shout out to my uh former postdoc and friend Craig Ray, who we jokingly called doctor agency because his his dissertation and his scholarship focuses on agency and and this this is i think at least in part matt's uh the trigger for matt's text was my statement about you know agency is a natural part of the human condition and i think that's my my point is there are environments that um allow more a more diverse way of manifesting your agency but you always have agency there is no environment where you have no agency right i mean there's um. Oh my gosh! I just his name went out of my head. But the there's the famous writer who was um, who was in a concentration camp during World World War Two. and he wrote. Oh my gosh! I'll think Eli
1: of Wiesel. No, is that, the, that no? is not the one.
0: Um, but his his uh, his writing was about how even when he was in you know essentially incarcerated and and waiting to die, um, he still had freedom. What he described as freedom, and I think we would talk about his agency. Agency, right? Like, so he had control over how he thought about his circumstances, and and I'm not saying that's a lot of agency or freedom he was in a highly constrained and obviously terribly dangerous environment um where many people didn't survive but um yeah i'm really ashamed that i can't think of his name but um but the point is you can't take people's agency away what you can do is is highly constrain it, um, yeah, and not allow them many options in the way that it they can manifest that agency, and and then as we just talked about, then you can punish them for manifesting their agency in particular ways, right? By by being resistant, right? So you know this gets to ideas of like liberatory practice, where where the goal is is to provide more freedom, which is another way of thinking of about providing more agency. And I think the way that we think about science teaching is fundamentally about providing more opportunities for students to manifest their agency in the ways that they want to, right? So to to make choices about and give them more power and opportunity to manifest their agency in ways that are not simply resistance or compliance, yeah. Um, but actually, choices about how they, how and what they want to think about, and how they want to do that work.
1: Yeah, I think that that the concern I always have is that whenever we 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 talk about agency, that the that folks just go, it's a free for all, yeah. like as if you know, students having little opportunities to you know act on their agency. Me, if we if that's one end of the continuum, then automatically let's just run to the other end of the continuum and say, let's just open it up and have it be, you know, free will, you sure. know, like you don't want to study today. That's cool. You don't want to do like right. so that they we have complete agency. And I think what we're proposing is just having, you know, s- some Maybe guardrails on that, like just like saying here, let's let's we're going to talk about this today and let's talk or, you know, or situate what we're going to talk about in things that we know the students may be more interested in or, you know, open up the opportunities for them to play a larger role in how we investigate the things and how we talk about the things and giving them the opportunities to come up with ideas and then, you know, draw on that creativity to situate the classroom activity you yeah. know, that is not a free for all, you know, no, it's not I like,
0: mean, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always worry that like we, we run to this place where it's either obedience or disobedience, right? It's, it's right. either control or chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't have to be how it is. Right. Right. It's like, it's like my, my principal came, you know, came to observe me, it's like, oh, I'll come back when you're teaching. And I'm just like, no, well then you're gonna come back and you're gonna do this, see this, because this is is me teaching. Right. right? And and it is, it involves students, you know, talking and working and experimenting. It's not me standing in front of a classroom. And and I think that shifting that is and also cr- not creating these these binaries, right? It's not a binary, either the students are, you know, in their controlled or it's chaos, right? Right.
0: No, I mean, I think there's there's lots of connections we can make here, but certainly the most obvious one, given some of the other things we talked about, are you know the difference between totalitarianism or authoritarianism and democracy, right? So we're not arguing for um we're not arguing for I don't even know anarchy, right? Right. Um, what we're what we're arguing for is democracy, which is that people have input into the systems in which they're they're a part and and not totalitarianism and so i think that that you know going back to this original notion right like we're we're um we've reverted a little bit to this idea that was always pretty strong in schools anyway which is a, a very authoritarian you know panopticon sort of environment where the goal is control and we're saying control is antithetical to good learning. Um, so that doesn't mean that there should be no control, as you said, but but it does mean that um, the emphasis on complete control, and in particular, the, the directionality of learning being only in one way, I think that's where we start getting into a space where now we're, we have a learning environment that is not productive for the vast majority of students there. So that doesn't mean the students can't do well. But that doesn't mean that they're either that they're learning. It just means that they are succeeding within this highly constrained system that we've created. Yeah. And I so,
1: think that's, yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole thing about ambitious science teaching. That's the whole thing about, you know, all of the science and engineering practices and things that are proposed in the next generation science standards. It's this movement to trying to give the students more epistemic agency in their learning And more agency overall, not just in terms of the the learning and their knowledge construction, but in in their activity as well. Yeah,
0: but I mean, just to be fair, like, the reality of that is that's it's still very much a baby step. Like, sure. it, you know, it's not like, you know, to your point, we're saying to students, let's study whatever you want. And everybody gets to study their own thing if they want to. And we're just going to be a big community of inquiry where everybody does their own thing. And we're just and hanging there are out
1: schools together. like that. There are schools like that. Not many. You
0: know? And and they're largely the history for those schools has not been good, if we're being yeah. honest. Right. Um. And we can, that's a topic for another day, the Summer Hill and and these experimental, like complete free-for-alls, but, and I'm not, I don't think anybody's arguing for, well, I'm not arguing for that. But what I am saying is, you know, people are saying, oh, wow, this, this is, this is a big step and it is a big step, but it's also a baby step, right? I mean, in, in AST, it's not like curriculum is gone. Like there, there is a instigating phenomenon that the teacher has chosen, right? In and these most are planned cases.
1: out. These are planned yeah. out. Highly things. So, planned things. Right. And so it's not like, Hey, what do you, what do you all want to learn today? You know, right. it's not like that level of agency so that the students ha- are are running the, you know, the show. Yeah. I mean the students are given more opportunities to act on their agency. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's an environment where the purpose is to help them understand What agency means and specifically what agency means in the context of science as an explanatory framework for the world. Right. So it's it's a highly constrained environment in almost every respect. But compared to traditional schools, it looks very open. Right. And so this idea that like, oh, this in, you know, there be dragons. Right. Like it's like some (laughs) mythical place, like you're going to fall off the edge of the earth when you start doing uh, ambitious science teaching because like that's just crazy or that it's the same as what we're already doing neither of those things is true right it's both a departure from the way that we are thinking about science teaching and it's also not the most radical or even close to the most radical version of that thing right um, there is tremendous conformity every class is not not only is the phenomenon chosen for the class that the students are in every class in every classroom in in a district is essentially doing the same phenomenon as well so there's there's a huge amount of conformity but what we have done is open up the space to allow students ideas to be recognized as valuable contributions and that those ideas are not then labeled as bad or good which gets us back to that binary that conformity that control yeah. it's not like my my goal is not to control your ideas and tell you they're wrong my my goal is to create an environment where we can share our ideas and make them better
1: yeah, and use those as sort of a springboard into investigations and, yeah. you know, and helping students. And this is, this, this is becoming more of like, I don't know, one of my mantras is you can't convince somebody else. They can only convince themselves. Yeah. This goes back to like what we talked about in terms of, you know, the, the changing minds book. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that is, that's critical. And, and if we're going to say the students have agency over their thoughts, then giving them new thoughts is not going get like change those thoughts, right. right It's like they have to construct those new thoughts they have to construct those new ideas, yep. and we just have to create the opportunities for that to happen yep. and yeah uh, which sits well, in, which positions us very differently as teachers and positions them very differently as students yep. you know
0: yeah, and it's not um you know it's not the even the you know conceptual change sort of restructuring right where it's like, oh, this all happens in their head. Like it is a social activity and it requires those kinds of interactions. And whenever, you know, and this is another thing that you hear all the time about these forms of pedagogy is like, well, the kids are off task. And it's like, well, sometimes they are because that's the way human beings are. If you put, if you put teachers in a group at a professional learning are they constantly on task? Do they never talk about anything except the actual assignment in front of them? Well, of course they do. You know, they're checking their email. They're talking to the person next to them about good restaurant to go to tonight after the professional learning is over. They're doing whatever, yeah. right? Like, so to, so this idea that the only way that a classroom is successful is if students are a hundred percent quote unquote, engaged Engaged. with the task during during the lesson, then that's madness. And then on top of that, to your point about they're jumping from thing to thing to thing, like it's amazing they can even focus at all right to go from, you know, solving, uh, you know, quadratic equations to, you know, discussing the themes of, of, uh, old yeller, um, you know, those things back to back, it's like, I, I don't even, where am I? Like, I'm in, I'm in some weird carnival ride that uh, keeps changing as I, as I go. So, um yeah it's... we have
1: all of the relevant cultural references today yeah. from old yeller to yeah. well,
0: everybody knows old yeller right
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely where the red yeah. fern grows
0: i mean we get let's talk sure. about all of the all the books where the dogs
1: mother <laughs> brothers and yeah. Abbott, costello come on we yeah. have to throw a couple more in bambi for... <laughs> the... <laughs> that's yeah. great oh yeah Ooh. Yes, talk about lack of agency, Bambi's.
0: <laughs> talk about cultural references that are twenty years before our time, <laughs> yes. which is saying something, man. Wow, twenty plus years, right? Yeah, yes. really love that. You know, <laughs> We're in the sweet Dizzy spot. Gillespie. Yeah. He's...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, there's oh, not that's... enough big band on the radio for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you heard that they have an FM radio now? You have to like. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, away from not just <laughs> yeah, they just... That's amazing. Yeah. Good okay, time. That's,
0: that's yep. nice right
1: there. Yeah, thanks. Wow. There I we think go. we've just moved away from agency to um, <laughs> something
0: yeah. that approaches joy in a weird way. So maybe yeah. it's time for you to give me some something that's bringing you joy.
1: Well, I just finished a book that. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, Hot
0: take from Ollie. Hot take.
1: Well, it was like, I you know, read this book in like a day and a half. I was just couldn't put it down. Um, it's uh, it's, it's called everyone in my family has killed someone. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a relatively new book. I think it came out earlier in 2023. Uh, it's written by a, uh, a mystery writer from Australia. And that, that, it, it's relevant because the, the book is set in Australia, but you know, there's this, it's kind of like an eyes out kind of book. Right. Okay. And that, um the author talks about this 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 murders that happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um I won't I won't say anything about like how I I'll say this. I won't tell you the the, the mystery or the who did it or anything like that. Yep. But I will say um that one of the things that's novel about this book is that the author breaks the third wall all the time. Like he mm. he recognizes your reading a murder mystery he's telling the story but he's also telling you that he's telling the story and he is like really clever on how he does this and he's like okay there's this much of this book left I know that in that time span these are the things that are going to happen these are the parts of the story you're still going to get and he's letting you know that like in chapter 20 that by chapter 27 that you Know somebody else is going to die, that this is going to happen, and they're just like, and sometimes it's like, um, I'll, I'll give you an instant for instance, he's like, and you know, I'm going to meet this person, I'm going to be kissing them, and I'm going to be naked, hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and Like, then you're like going, hold on, how does like this person just appeared in the book, you know, but he's telling you that now so that like, it almost makes you curious. Okay. How do you get to that point where they're going to end up now? There's no sex in the book. So there's, there's that. I I guess I may be spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything about this book. It is, it's a really entertaining, um, very novel way of writing because yeah, well, novel unique. Um, because there are very few books that like break that third wall like this, you know? Fourth wall. Fourth wall. Third wall. Fourth wall. Break that wall. It's,
0: it's the fourth wall.
1: Well, fourth wall. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but, why not?
0: Break the, break the third and the fourth wall. Why not? Well, what's the third wall? Well, it's it's my understanding is the reference is to a stage. And so there's three walls behind the actors, oh, and then there's an invisible fourth wall. Fourth wall. wall. So when they talk to the audience, that's breaking the fourth wall.
1: [SB3] Yeah. So I'm gonna have to write that down as the things I've learned today. Yeah. That. uh, Dictate. 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 I don't think it's. Tat. I think it's tat. T a t. Dictate. Okay. Yeah. Dictated. Is the
0: umlaut actually there or is the no? It was in the pronunciation. In the pronunciation. Okay. in
1: the pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's so, Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by <clears throat> Benjamin Stevenson. Re, uh, check it out. If you're like a fan of Clue or Knives Out or, you know, any, any of those, of those. Myst- mysteries, you know, could I have figured it out? Maybe I didn't figure it out. Um, I thought it was somebody else, but um, yeah, it was. It's a twisting, turning. I would love for to see you know this be turned into a movie. I would love it, you know, because it'd be funny. It would be. Maybe it'll be
0: the next Knives Out.
1: Yeah, who knows? I hope because you know this guy's a pretty talented writer. Yeah. All right. Okay. I like breaking it. the fourth wall. The fourth wall.
0: Breaking the fourth
1: wall. Fourth wall, maybe, not maybe the third hammering
0: wall. on the third wall a little, but then yeah. really breaking the fourth wall. Sure. All right. Um, so I think this is probably going to be predictable and that's part of the reason I'm saying it, but you know, the thing that brings me joy is in the last week, Ted Lasso came.
1: I knew it was coming. I knew it. That's why I I knew you knew. And And I uh, was not gonna, you know, I just, I just watched it with, you know, the family. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm going to reserve judgment, you know, it's first episode, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a whole season. Uh, so I want to see the whole arc of it, but but I will say I'm happy to have it back and I'm excited to see what happens. Um, you know, it is I, I'm I am clearly not alone on an island in thinking Ted Lasso was great, but I, I like to think I was an early adopter of this television show and
1: uh and I think I, <laughs> you were probably the, the first person I knew that said something to me about it. And we could probably go back to the episodes and check it out, but you you said it to like you you were like on here saying ted lasso ted lasso early on and then i was yeah. like all right and at the time i didn't have apple tv and then i got a copy of this, a dvd from somebody mm. and then i watched it on dvd and then uh which is actually not on dvd but I'll, I, that's a that's yeah, an that's a story for another day that's yeah. a story i will not tell you how i got a DVD sort of, of fell it.
0: off a truck <clears throat>
1: yeah i knew <laughs> a guy who knows a guy
0: <laughs> i mean it is the that's italian the tradition yeah. it is
1: the case that i know a guy who knows a guy yeah uh but i watched it then i was like oh well we gotta like and and i think to me was when and then i just started recommending it to everybody and it's yeah. like you know uh. yeah
0: i mean it's it's a spectacular show uh, i i think the the first season is unimpeachable. The second season was solid and had a few hiccups from my point of view, I think from most people's point of view, but still was great. So we'll see how they how they bring it home here in season three. But I'm excited about it. Um I, I love to see that these folks have become successful as a result of this. I mean, I think they have 14 Emmys among the group. Yeah. And, you know, Brett Goldsmith is now doing shrinking, which you have Recommended, I think, yeah. right? And and and
1: the, the other the other um, co-creator of Ted Lasso is one of the writers for Shrinking. Oh, uh, okay. So, so two of the guys.
0: Yeah. So they're you know I I like to see that it's it's leading to good things for these folks and and also everything I hear from the actors and hopefully this is honest is that they're really um, they love the show and they're sad that it's it's coming. Well, there's some debate yeah, about whether it's, it's coming to the end it's, or not, it's, but.
1: Brett Goldstein. Oh, Goldstein. Gold's, yeah. So Sorry. since we're correcting each other today. Yes, since, please.
0: Yeah. That's the fourth With wall. With my opportunity, you're the fourth wall. <laughs> yes.
1: <clears throat> yes. On structuring, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that word I thought was. This is uh, this is
0: a, structuring.
1: A high watermark for episodes yeah. <laughs> for science in between. Woo! Yeah.
0: There you go. Yes. So, uh, but all that to say, if you have not seen. Ted Lasso.
1: If, if you're you, living you, you under go, a rock someplace and not yes. seen Ted Lasso, go now watch it. Now is the time. Yes. Now is the time.
0: Catch up on the first two seasons and then await the big finale of Nate. what we presume will be Nate's Redemption. Yeah, um, I hope we'll it's see. Nate's Redemption. Yeah. I I, we, I, all we, just, we, de-
1: we decided to, before the season, the, the new season, to rewatch season one and two, yeah. which is, I think, the fourth time we've watched them from beginning to end, um, which, you know, Still joyful, still a lot yeah. to you know, a lot to get out of it, and you know, and it's one of those things where my son came in and watched it with us. He's like, "Yeah, yeah you, you watching these again?" I'll, 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 and my son doesn't want to do anything with me right now because yeah. he's wow. he's a sixteen year old kid who yeah. you know thinks his parents are stupid. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I mean, it's it's both the arrogance and the correctness of youth simultaneously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say, this is an aside. He said the other night that he saw himself as kind of a Rick Rubin. Right? Oh, did he? <laughs> yes. Well, okay. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, that's good. I'm like,
1: okay. He's yeah. like, I think I'm going to be like Rick Rubin. I'm just going to give my opinions professionally. <laughs> that's all yeah. Rick Rubin's hired to do. Just <laughs> right. It
0: it's incredible. sort of like saying, yeah, I sort of see myself as a, like a LeBron James. You know, <laughs> yes. I, have a, I have a basketball court in the backyard and I can – Put up some shots. I'm I'm like I'm like, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean, at least he's setting his sights high. So yes. he's he's not choosing like uh, I don't know I don't even know any other record producers Babyface who are some I other? don't even
1: know what to do with <laughs> oh,
0: that what was uh, what was the guy from oh never mind we're not gonna play yeah. that game
1: no uh, it's, uh, it's, old yeah, guys I think trying point, to remember <laughs>
0: stuff <huh? laughs> hey you know there was that time that there was that guy had sort of a limp and he wore a he always wore a red jacket do you remember him. <laughs> No, no idea what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> we have covered so much. Who's Greek territory on today. first? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, good time. All right. So let's just let's just put this episode. Let's, to bed. Please,
0: <laughs> please
1: put it we'll out to catch pasture. You next time. <laughs>
0: In between.
1: See you then. Bye now.